This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Garlands of Grace and our supporters at patreon.com. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-7 Welcome back to Bright Hearth, everyone. Lexi and Brian are here again tonight, feeling a little silly. I don't know yeah. why. I think it's, I seriously think it's because this is the first day in months that I haven't taken a nap. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to, my, my dear listeners, she was almost introing this episode by saying, welcome to Bright Heart Podcast. And I'm not a like, silly are we a, person. <laughs> are we a spooky podcast? Yeah, Lexi's not silly almost ever. So, Anyways. Wow. Yeah. Welcome back. What are we talking Hello. about today, babe? We are talking about fighting like Christians, which I really like that you named it that topic because yeah, it's very different. Yes. Sometimes (laughs) when you're married, you will find that you have to have a way of dealing with conflict. Yeah. That's the topic of this episode. And I actually think in the schedule, if I'm not mistaken, we record these at least a few weeks out. So forgive me if I'm off by one episode or so, but I, I believe this episode's coming out right after the interview that I did with pastor Toby Sumter. Uh, if you listen to that episode, well, let me say this. If you didn't listen to that episode, make sure you go back and listen yeah. to it because Pastor Sumter had a really good section there where he went through 1 John chapter 1 and kind of did like an impromptu sermon. Ooh. It was very impressive in 1 John 1. Lexi hasn't even listened uh, to yeah, it Yeah, I can't yet. wait to listen to it. <laughs> so Lexi will listen to that when it comes out for everybody else. So so go back and listen to that I, that actually covered some of the ground that I would want to cover in something like that of this episode. So we won't repeat the material that he put there, but the, the fight in marriage, the fight in marriage is always going to be a fight for fellowship, maintaining fellowship. And because we're sinners, because we each bring our own sin, we each bring our own potential for offense and potential to offend into marriage, it's something that you're going to have to deal with over and over and over again. And so what I wanted to talk about in this episode with you today, babe, is some of the ditches that married couples can fall into in how they work through disagreement, some of the ways that they can do this wrong, and then also some of the principles that will keep you between those ditches, keep you on the road, and help us deal with conflict. So I guess first question, are there any, uh, why did you pick, let me ask you first, why did you pick that passage? Because you actually picked the cold open today, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, When I kind of pitched this episode idea to you this morning and you said that would be a great cold open. What were you thinking? Why'd you pick that passage? Well, I was thinking specifically, I'm pulling it back up. I was thinking specifically Mm -hmm. about the thought life of women. This is a passage that's often used in marriage ceremonies, Yeah, but for myself, and this just really is a common verse that I use a lot when counseling other women. Yeah. Um, Love believes all things and hopes all things. Mm. specifically 
we really struggle to control our thoughts about our husbands. And a lot of time I am finding either myself or other women that are slandering their husbands in their head and they're getting all worked up Mm. because either they haven't talked to him to confirm what they're believing or thinking about him, which sometimes it is true. Yeah. The thoughts they're having sometimes are true. Sometimes it's true. It's not worthy to meditate on though. Mm. (laughs) Um, But a lot of the time I find that it's, it's not true. It's just that the woman hasn't talked to her husband and instead she's talking to somebody else. Ah, me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you mean they're talking to you? Yeah, no. Instead. Like it, it is kind of amazing to me, though. It really is amazing how often I will say, and I don't really find this with a lot of women in our church, but I'll, I'll be surprised when I'm talking to women online or people that I don't know very well. And I'll say, well, have you talked to your husband? What does he think about me? Like, well, no, I haven't talked to him. I'm like, well, mm. that's, you should not be talking to me, first of all. Yeah. I actually really like Nancy's rule where she says she does not counsel a wife unless she first asks, has your husband given you permission to talk to me about this topic? Interesting. But yeah, so I think first Corinthians is like, we know what it means, but so often in our thought life, life as women, we're not being patient towards our husband physically, but also not in our thought life. We're not being kind towards him with the things we're thinking about. Really practically, this looks like, I think women would think things like, let's give real life examples. My husband is late. He probably doesn't want to see me today, nor does he care that I've been here all day. Oh, that's, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yes. Or. So she's thinking something about him. Correct. And she's maybe inventing problems. Correct. She's inventing problems. Or like I said, it might, there might really be issues there, but then we go to Philippians. What's the verse in Philippians about um, all things that are lovely noble thinking on these things, yes. whatever is lovely, whatever's noble. Yeah. Whatever. So is then just don't building. think about those sort of things, but I guess just maybe use first Corinthians 13 as a lit- litmus test for, am I being loving in my thoughts towards my husband or about my husband? I guess I yeah. should be saying. Yeah. So much. I think one of the big points that we would want to make in an episode like this, one of the big principles to think through is the principle, not just of how to fight like Christians, but also how to head off needless fights that literally did not need to happen. I think that's the biggest one. And what percentage of fights in in the average marriage literally did not need to happen? Yeah, I think think very early on when I realized, I don't even know what it was or if it was you or Elizabeth Elliot or just reading the scripture, but this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, has always really, really helped me. And it has really made it one of those things to be like, do I bring this up or do I not bring this up? Mm. I feel like, hopefully, I don't know. I feel like I rarely bring things up. And when I have to, I better have put a lot of prayer into it and time and not have been quick to confront. <laughs> I can't. I honestly can't even think of the last time I confronted you on something seriously where you were like, yeah, actually, you're right about that. No, I, I was going to, I would say that in the course of our marriage, we've been married for 11 years now and counting. And we've known each other for many years before that. So we've known each other for more than half of our lives now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that more than half our lives. And and this is actually one of the biggest things that I've noticed you growing in over those 10 years is that, I mean, it was like visible. I think probably five years ago, I noticed something, ha- I don't know what happened, 
we had had conversations about it for sure. Like we've we've always been good at talking to each other. Yeah, we've about been we've always been and, good at communicating. Yes. I feel like yeah, keeping short we accounts. Both like and, writing, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are like we we've never done the whole let's do a few weeks of cold shoulder thing. No, we've worked through things when we've had to. But I've noticed over the years that you've grown in your patience. And you've grown in your um, self-control in uh, what comes out. And like I, I noticed, like I said, maybe five years ago, where all of a sudden I started seeing a visible process where I could tell that there was something that bugged you. And I could almost <laughs> see you like preaching to your soul internally, quiet. Like I didn't hear any of this. Like, no, this doesn't, this isn't a problem. I don't need to make this a problem. <laughs> And then smile, like smiling and moving on. And and like that is the most powerful for men and women, for men and yeah. women, husbands and wives. This is one of the most powerful principles that you can take if you want to fight like a Christian is you need to fight the right battles and not not bicker within the camp, <laughs> right? Yeah. You want to fight real enemies and not waste your time bickering inside of the camp. So I think about verses like, uh, or let's contrast. Let's make a contrast here okay. between... A popular thing you'll hear all throughout the culture, which is like a, husband, a man or a woman will just go off on a rant and they'll just kind of like, or they'll gossip it up to their friend and then they'll say, I'm sorry, I was just venting. I just had I vent. don't think you and I ever do that. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we would probably kindly and gently say, um, <laughs> that seemed bad. Okay, but think about Proverbs 29 and 11. This is the Proverbs. Okay. It says... A fool gives full vent to his yes, spirit, yeah. but a wise man quietly holds it back. So much of the key to fighting like a Christian is just internalizing yes. that verse. First Corinthians 13, love doesn't keep records of wrongs. It's not easily angered. Yeah, Love is not irritated all the time. And like you said, First Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. This is how children are. Yeah. Children give full vent to their spirit. It's one of the, the main things you're going to be disciplining your kids for yeah. over the years is just giving vent to their spirit instead of controlling themselves. And um, our culture will tell you, you deserve to let your thoughts be heard and to let your emotions be heard and they need to hear your issues. And No, they don't. <laughs> they actually don't well, need and to hear most of those I Thoughts. was just having this thought a few days ago, you and I had a long conversation about some mental things I was dealing with it had nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. It had to do with somebody else. And I, you don't know this, but I spent the better part of that morning thinking, is this even worth telling him? Do I need to tell him? Is this going to cause a fight between us? How much do I tell him? What do I not tell him? Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't, and it's not in the sense of like, I don't want to be a burden, but it is just, in the sense of self-control and the Lord is the one that ultimately needs to know my every thought, mm -hmm. not my husband. Yes. Yes. And, and I mean that because typically that's taken to the negative of like, he needs to know every little dirty thing I think about him. <laughs> yes, that's right. And you don't, what, what most of those thoughts that you have, <clears throat> I think you were right that in one of my questions I was going to ask is what ditches do men tend to fall in and what ditches do women tend to fall in? Mm -hmm. I think this is a ditch that ladies tend to fall in frequently and it's the ditch of letting their thoughts run away with them, borrowing trouble, inventing problems. And there's a reason that there's that meme 
where it's the husband and wife laying in bed and they're like their backs are to each other. And mm-hmm. there's the thought bubble coming out of her bed out of her head. And she's like, Oh, I bet he's thinking about other women. I wonder. And then it's his exactly. thought bubble. And he's over there like, oh, man, I needed, did I get enough WD 40 for the pro for the, the <laughs> he's over there thinking about yeah. like oil changes or tire rotations. And it's so easy. I think for, uh, a, a woman to misunderstand her husband's just normal manness, like being mm-hmm. something more mm-hmm. quiet than her, or maybe looking kind of like serious, or you know, something. <laughs> I do ask you that a lot. Mistake it for Are you mad? Are you mad? Like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? Am I mad? It's no, typically I'm not mad. because I want to know if there's something I need to repent of. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, not men because are I'm just trying different. to bug you. <laughs> men are different from women. We, we think different. <clears throat> we act different. We process things differently. Men really do have something. A lot of ladies don't know this. Men have something called the nothing box (laughs) where we can actually go into our, a box in our head where we are thinking about nothing. And women, I, I understand do not have a nothing box. No, I remember the first time I heard my dad tell my mom that we military moving every 18 months Mm -hmm. to 24 months meant we spent a lot of time on the road because my mom wouldn't fly anywhere and I remember like one long stretch, probably on the Yukon trail in Canada, mm. just total silence and like desolate landscape. And I remember my mom looking over at my dad and saying, so what are you thinking about? And he said, <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Right now I'm pondering uh, nothing. So it's easy. I think for ow. you gave the example of the husband getting home late from work Yeah, and <clears throat> maybe he was inconsiderate and didn't text, which I've done many times. Like you get run away with something. Someone catches you at the door and asks you a question, right? As you're leaving or, yeah. so, you know, stuff happens. Someone calls you and you're 15 minutes late. Dinner's late because of it, whatever. There's an opportunity right there to get really frustrated, uh, to think he must be, what did you say? He, he must oh, care about me. He, wants he doesn't to be at work. care about how much I've been working today. Yeah, And I think, what has helped me over the years is I've told myself, like when I start to think those sort of thoughts, let's give that very specific example. Yeah. I tell myself, no, he's a pastor. There's probably somebody or something that came up. Yep. Like yep. you have to, t- and and if not, then later on you guys can have a conversation and be like, so dude, why were you out late? Yeah. You know, it's not wrong to have that conversation, but in the moment it doesn't help to go down the worst possible. If you say road. if your husband's late and he comes in the door and you say, "Oh, I'm so glad to see you. What what you're a few minutes late. What happened?" And that's total that's great. Yeah. That's not picking a fight at all. That's just be taking interest in your spouse's day. Are you okay? If you notice that your husband starts to get home 15 minutes later and then 15 minutes after that and then day after day and all of a sudden he's starting to get home an hour later and works yeah, ask him like, "Hey, Seems like you've been getting home later. Is something going on at work? <laughs> Is everything okay? But a lot of the time, it's it's just easy, I think, for uh, ladies to start thinking, spinning up, getting angry. And then because they missed 15 minutes of their husband at home that they could have had, they determine they're going to start a fight that's going to make the next four hours miserable. Yeah, and it which could is a be, terrible idea. It could be anything. You could be mad at your husband for, you know, not doing whatever it was you wanted for your birthday, like assuming he should have known that or yeah, if he was thoughtful. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like, and then yes, you start to withhold is re- like, I think we all have different, uh, I don't like using this word, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> love languages. 
<laughs> I know every time it's genuinely a helpful concept in it a, is. to an extent because there are certain things that I'm like, as a wife, if I'm talking to my friends, I'm like, why do you even care about that? That's so silly. Yeah. But then over here I'm like, but then I have my own little pet struggles mm-hmm. that, um, why did I even bring that up? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> love languages. We got distracted by thinking about love languages. So anyway, uh, Carrie, <laughs> I, we, at, we also, at the same time, we, we have a new, recording setup it's actually the king's hall recording setup we we changed some things over so we inherited the king's hall recording setup and i just hit a button on it colorful and i don't know what i did i feel like there's more emfs though there have to be there's more colors each one of those colors represents a different frequency I'm thinking of about EMF. these. All the colors are closer to me and my oh, no. womb is right here. I programmed each of these buttons to emit a high dosage of radiation every time I, I press okay. them. I'm sorry, listeners. We got no, distracted. No, this is what they're here for. By shiny things. I'll, I'll, I'll have to take a picture or something. Okay, so that's a, that's a definite ditch. Are, what yeah. other ditches? So what other ditches might be common for a lady to struggle with when in it comes terms to fighting of like a Christian. fighting with her husband. Yeah. Fighting with her okay. husband or picking fights. Just being like that. totally irrational. <laughs> wow. You have to you be willing. It, not me. As a woman, you have to be willing. If you're say you want to give full vent to your spirit, uh-huh. are you willing to hear reality after that? Mm. First of all, you shouldn't be doing that. Second of all, if you're not willing to, you definitely shouldn't be doing that. Mm, yes. And I think that's where, immaturity comes into play. Like, yeah. Like again, like you said, so many fights could have been stopped. If you just like get a hold of your thought life a little bit more. Yep. Um, you want to start there before you pick a fight. Um, but then it's like, if you even go there, are you willing to be rational about where you might be wrong or where you might be blowing things? You could be right a little bit, but you're blowing it completely out of proportion. Yes. So, yeah, so true. So that's been something, and I've said this before in other podcasts where I've had to think and I've given specific examples like um, the wounds of a friend are faithful. The wounds of my husband are faithful. He's probably mm. seeing this a little bit clearer than I am. Yeah. Assuming the best about your husband yes. and the, the husband assuming the best about his wife, knowing each other and then being aware of your own tendencies and and being willing to not give yourself excuses, but to interrogate your own heart your own spirit and think, am I being reasonable? Yeah. Start Nate, start literally before you decide to pick a fight, or let's say you're in the middle of a fight. It's helpful for both people to be able to stop and say, what am I angry about? What am I upset about? Actually name it, give it words, describe it. And then interrogate yourself first. Mm -hmm. Am I correct about this? Maybe there is a problem with my spouse. Have I contributed? Well, if you've been listening to Bright Hearth for any length of time, you know that we are all about productive Christian households, supporting one another in business endeavors worth doing, and we're all about modest, feminine Christian women, masculine Christian men. So we're so excited to be partnering for this episode of Bright Hearth with a sponsor, Garlands of Grace. Garlands of Grace makes beautiful feminine head coverings, uh, whether you're wearing a head covering or a headband just for fashion reasons or uh, as a covering for 1 Corinthians 11 sort of matters, we'd really commend them to you. And Lexi, uh, we were just looking at their organics line. What do you think about that? It's very cute. <laughs> they are very cute. They have a lot of floral prints, and it's. I think it's really unique to find companies that 
are willing to even go the extra mile and use organic fabric. So yes, we know that our listeners are not just interested in getting the cheapest, quickest, flimsiest things they can get, but they want to get quality um, products made that are going to support Christian households. And so we would commend these ladies to you and their company. Uh, You can head to garlandsofgrace.com. And you can see a huge variety of head coverings, head wraps. They have them for women as well as girls. And um, they also have those volumizers. What are those again? They help keep your head covering in place so it's not slipping off of your head. Yes. And if, uh, you know, Lexi is taking care of five children plus one in the womb on Sundays while I'm preaching and teaching and leading the service. So it is important that it's not slipping off of your head so easily when little people are kind of climbing and crawling over you. So that's been a help for you. Yep, I love it. Absolutely. Well, check it out there, garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode, and you support our show when you support them. So uh, thanks for listening, and now we'll get back to the episode. Yeah, that's something else I was going to say, is if you can't give a specific sin, like name it, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say be hesitant to confront it. Just know you're, it's a kindness to somebody else when you can give them a specific instance or a specific sin name. I know there's been times where people have come to me with, with just like really sort of vague sounding things that I might have upset them about that aren't necessarily sins and are also not concrete, but really vague. Not only is it first of all, unkind, Second of all, it condemns other people because yeah. you have to have a biblical sin to repent biblically of. So if if you don't know what went wrong, you don't know how to repent, and therefore you just kind of end up feeling bad, and it causes distance over time. So I really think it's important to, if you're going to go to somebody and you're going to cause a fight or confront somebody, we're just using the word fight because it's in the title. Yeah. Be as specific as you can be because it's helpful. Yes, that is such a good point. You need to make sure that you're naming the thing. You're not just going and saying like vaguely, I feel feel this. unloved. It's okay if you say how you feel. Yeah. But you should be getting specific enough that it's they can people they can understand the connection between so here's how you're feeling and what's what actually took place. This is an example that I would be comfortable using. Sure. I wouldn't be comfortable saying, I feel like every Sunday, blah, blah, blah happens because you're not thinking about me and it makes me feel bad. Mm -hmm. What I would say is, hey, I've noticed this has happened multiple times and it feels sort of like you've forgotten about X, Y, Z things. Is that true? I'm willing to be wrong or is there something else going on? Mm, Yes. There you go. Be very clear with your communication. Being clear and having the, the willingness to be, I think this is related to a verse in Leviticus actually. Leviticus 19 17 to 18, this is a good principle. It says, you shall, well, it's actually a law. (laughs) It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your brother, Mm. lest you incur sin because of him. Yeah. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's amazing how that verse that is the, the heart of the law, according to Jesus, loving your neighbor as yourself is the heart of the law. Actually, that by itself sums up the law. Jesus, even at one point in the Gospels, without mentioning loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he actually just says, love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up the law, quoting Leviticus 19. The, this, the context of that verse is directly related to having an issue with somebody, mm. and instead of letting it you sin because you're 
you know, bearing a grudge in your heart, you are to go and reason frankly with them. This is so important. Yeah. You have a specific thing that you need to address when it when you've done the interrogation and you this is something you need to talk about. And then you go reason with them. Frankly, you're not mm-hmm. being coy. You're not trying to manipulate them. No, no, you're no. You're not trying to make <clears throat> them feel guilty or pile up shame cookies, you know, <laughs> shame cookies. <laughs> Feed them shame cookies, I guess, would be a weird metaphor that I my brain apparently <laughs> decided to resort to. No, you're going to go and reason frankly with them. And you're going to, you're, the point of the reasoning frankly with them is that you want to get in fellowship. Yeah. You want to see repentance, whether it's yours or theirs, misunderstanding cleared up. Because a lot of the time what you'll find is that when you go to your spouse, when you have an issue, and you reason with them this way, where you're kind and you're gentle and you're loving and you're self-controlled, and you go tell them your heart and how you're feeling and what you're having an issue with, and and you just make it plain in your attitude and your words that you want to be in fellowship. Mm-hmm. Man, nine out, of time, nine out of 10 times, you can both get into fellowship quickly. As I was listening to read that verse in Leviticus, it was reminding me of the five paragraph essay mm-hmm. in the sense of like, as a wife, if you, if you don't know how you're feeling yet and you can't communicate it, you probably just don't need to say it. And there, there have been times when I have thought like something will bug me either about you or even somebody else. Sure. And I'll just sit on it for months because I'm like, I don't know why I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know if I'm right about the way I'm feeling. So I need to sit on it until Mm -hmm. I can communicate it properly with the thesis and supporting statements. I probably, it's probably not going to come from a place of kindness or helpfulness at all. And, and also I don't remember where it is in the old Testament, but this always was really convicting to me. The like test for jealousy between spouses. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. remember where that was. Um, not specifically struggling with jealousy, but I believe it's in Leviticus. I know which one you're talking where about. Where I think it's a husband who is accusing a wife of adultery. Of adultery. Yeah. And this weird thing happens that I still don't understand. <laughs> Very mystical it seems. Where she kinda like she says whether or not she was, you know, unfaithful to him and she drinks this drink that they the make. The priest gives her a drink. Yeah. And yeah. she if she's being honest, she will survive. If she is not honest, she dies. And I remember when I read that as a young wife and I was like, wait a second, our fellowship as spouses and our belief of true things about one another is serious enough to the Lord that he would like jealousy is not an ongoing pattern for the Lord. Believing unkind things about your spouse is not an ongoing pattern pattern about the Lord. So that husband needs to be serious enough about that accusation. Yeah. About that, that suspicion about that suspicion that he needs to realize what's at stake, but also, yeah, it just made me like have great pause for like, it is not an ongoing pattern that God wants to see us being suspicious of one another, be it jealousy or what are some other ones? Unkindness. Lack of care, bitterness, yeah, yeah, uh, coldness towards one another. Coldness. That is is not to be an ongoing pattern. No, Mm -mm. no. For marriage. When you're there, you need to get quickly to to restore fellowship. Like Pastor Sumter was talking about last week in 1 John 1. We're trying to get through the sin or through the misunderstanding and realize that I was just wrong. What's interesting about that test, that jealousy test, is that the husband is expected once the Lord has spoken through the test. And the test relied upon God revealing what was hidden. Yeah. 
The situation is he has a suspicion that's eating away at him, mm-hmm. but he does not have biblical evidence. Mm. If he had biblical evidence, it would just be adultery and there'd be yeah. the death penalty in either direction. So he has a suspicion and it's nagging at him, it's eating at him. And so he goes to the priest, he goes to the Lord and he expects it to be dealt with. And then the expectation is he's not to bring that up again. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Unless exactly. he has evidence, like he's supposed to consider the Lord has spoken, my wife is faithful, I was wrong. And obviously there was, there's gonna be some work to be done yeah. after that, like where they're on their way home, walking back to their tent and they're looking at each other like, well, oh, see, I told you. Like, <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe she shouldn't do that. But yeah, th- this is a good example of the need for us to have biblical standards for establishing guilt where we don't just assume we don't just invent stories in our head and believe them. We actually have to submit our thoughts, accusations to reality. Yeah. They have to yeah. be tested. And then we have to be willing to move on. This, there's also a principle that I love. Paul's actually talking about lawsuits. And he's saying it, it'd be a shame for Christians who were bickering on a legal matter, a financial matter, to go before an unbelieving judge in order to have the case adjudicated, because we're going to judge angels. And his point was it would be better for you to be wronged than for that to happen, than for you to have to go before an unbelieving judge and sully the name of Christ amongst the pagans. And and I love that principle. Why not rather be wronged? So many times in marriage or in other relationships, you'll find that there are things that you're frustrated about that you're not sure the other per like you're not sure if it rises to the level of you need to make an issue of it. There comes a point where you you, you might sometimes just say, you know what? Why not rather be wronged? I'm not going to go. I'm going to, the Lord absorbed my sin. He covered it over. He gave me grace. Maybe I'm frustrated about this thing or that thing, but it really just is a thing that I need to cover over, like Proverbs 10, 12. It's a Love covers an offense. Yeah, love covers, what is it? Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So there are many situations where we just need to be slow to anger, like Proverbs fourteen twenty nine, whoever's slow to anger has great understanding. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. The problem is if you have a hasty temper, you will stir up strife. You will come up with reasons to be mad even when they don't exist. And then you will make reasons to be mad because there's strife between you and yeah, your you'll, spouse. You'll become a liar. Yes. <laughs> you'll false become a prophet. Liar. Oh, man. And a liar. Is my Bible in here? Oh, it is. Yeah. Pull um, it up. Pull it out. Got a verse? Well, I was thinking about that verse in Proverbs, I think, that says it's to someone's glory. I think other translations even say it's to your credit when you overlook a glory. I mean, uh, when you overlook an offense. Yeah. But Pastor Griffin talked about it two weeks ago. He did a sermon on like dealing with bitterness, bitterness during from the holidays. Ephesians 4, yeah. yeah, from Ephesians 4. Let me find it. Okay. Well, one of the things. Oh, and clamor and slander. Yeah. 31. So he was commenting about how he just kind of went more into what each of the words were, but he was talking about how if you start with bitterness, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that has sinned against you and you can't cover that sin, you've become bitter, which leads to you being wrathful yeah. and angry. And then there's an outburst. A clamor is an outburst. Yeah. But not only there, you move on to slandering that person. Mm. So not only is it like, yes, they sinned against you, but now you're lying about them, which yep. is 
even worse. And so that's often what I think can happen is when we're not being self-controlled, we just start lying about other people. Yep. <laughs> we just start we, lying. We exalt and we magnify their problem, their their issues, and we minimize our own, and we minimize all of the good things about them. Yes, that's very true too. We, we forget, we allow ourselves to forget all of the good things about our spouse, all of the things we love. We just start magnifying every little thing they do wrong until our whole vision is just filled with yeah. how stupid and dumb and how much we hate their face. We, it's like, <laughs> it's just, and you end up slant, you do it in your heart yeah. or to other people or to them, you slander them. Well, and he even says, he's like in the next verse 32, the solution to this bitterness yeah. is to be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving of one another. Yep. As, the, as God in Christ forgave you. <laughs> as God has forgiven you. So you also And this must isn't forgive. easy. I, I loved too that he brought up the, um, when he was looking at the word malice, it's the same word that is used for the goddess of wickedness, I think, mm. in the 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 myth with Hercules. Mm. And he contrasted uh, wickedness with the goddess of Arete, virtue, mm. and how she could offer Hercules goodness and virtue, but it would take hard work. Yeah, And that was really helpful to see that picture of like, okay, so wickedness was pleasure and ease, but virtue yeah. was hard work and glory. And so when you're thinking about, those are some great verses to meditate on for, you know, your, in your marriage, your communication, it's Ephesians um, 4. Really 27 all the way. Yeah, but the one specifically he was looking at was 31 and 31, 32. 32. All the way to the end um, of the chapter. If you want to put away malice towards your spouse and be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, that is going to take hard work from the strength yep. of grace and the spirit of Christ. Yep. Yep. So you can't think like, like it is, it's hard to control your temper. It is. <laughs> I was trying to teach one of our children tonight to shut their mouth. They were throwing a fit and I was trying to get them to just simply breathe through their nose. Like I wasn't even trying to correct anything Seems else. Like a low bar. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Let's get some self-control by yeah. breathing through your nose. And it was hard work for them. And eventually, is. I don't know if you noticed it got quiet pretty it quick. It took a while, but then it got quiet. But Eventually it worked and it was, it was hard work to get there. It wasn't, I could have easily walked out of there after, you know, one time of it not working, but yep. anyways, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. No, no, you're <laughs> that, that's, that's good. Actually, that's helpful because when you look at your kids having trouble with these things as you're teaching them, let it teach you too. let it be a mirror to see this is what our flesh is like. Yeah. It's unself-controlled. It's undisciplined. And so when we're venting at one another, when we're like, when we're just giving, Instead of a soft answer to turn away wrath, when we're just harsh words stirring up anger, we need to st stop and actually say, would I allow my two kids to fight this way? Yeah. Would I tell yeah, them? Yeah, that's very true. Or would I say, no, you guys need to get back in fellowship. What's the sin? What's the issue? Who needs to repent and who needs to move back into fellowship and who needs to forgive? Uh, and it, these are commands. I mean, James one nineteen. know this, yeah. my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And I think too, I don't, uh, maybe you can correct me on this, but you should be willing to say what you're going to say to your spouse in the type of tone you're going to say to your spouse before your elders. Because yeah. the reality is going to your spouse with an issue is the beginning of biblical church discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Therefore, if there really is an issue with your spouse and they're really not repentant and it's causing issues and you've tried to go to them kindly and patiently the next person you should be talking to are your elders. 
Yeah, and this is how the spheres of authority work, where there are many situations where, like, headship and submission is still in play here. It is still true that a wife ought to aim to have a gentle and quiet spirit, that she is even instructed to win her unbelieving husband without a word. So ladies need to hear that they are going to need fewer words than their nature will desire. Yeah. (laughs) And they will need to pick fewer fights than their nature will desire. This is just the reality. You will need to actually fight for that gentle and quiet spirit. And that will be one of the key tools that the Lord often uses. Okay. That doesn't mean there's never issues. I'll say two things here. I remember specifically, this doesn't happen often, but I remember specifically one time where you told me something specifically that I needed to hear, and you told me gently and nicely and with a specific example, and and it was something I needed to hear, and, I, and it was helpful to me for my wife to, to you know, help me see this about myself, and it was like, okay, good, I, I, need, I needed that. Let me repent. Let me grow in Christ-likeness. She's my helper. Okay, let's say, ladies, that there is a real issue, and you've gently and quietly and it's you're not always nagging him but you bring something up and it's a serious issue and there's no repentance and it's ongoing it it, it is acceptable you you ought to be able to appeal to other spheres going to the elders of your church and discreetly asking for help saying i need some help can you counsel me on this your elders yeah. are the appropriate person to go to yeah not 15 other ladies in the church not spreading it around on the messaging boards in the prayer group or whatever it is. Like, And I know our church has a messaging board thing, so this is like why I say that. But maybe you have an equivalent, Facebook, chats, whatever, group text. T- take it to the appropriate place and then do what they say. You actually then need to submit to the well, elders. Well, that's what I was going to say is if you if there is a genuine issue and you go to your husband with a shrieking spirit and he doesn't listen and then mm-hmm. you have to go to the elders with a calm spirit and they ask you how did you handle it, your sin in the matter further complicates everything. It does, yeah. It makes so, it and a lot of people don't, most people don't get to that. Praise God. Most people don't get to the place of needing elders to come in. Yeah, I'm not talking about like every do church little. discipline. There's a difference between church discipline and counseling too, by the way. I'm not saying because you're in counseling, you're like condemned or something. No. Or should no. be removed from the flock rather. But it doesn't help the seriousness of the issue if you're handling your sin. I mean, if you are even sinning at all in it. If you're making it worse, if yeah, your if own sin is making sin. it worse. If you're adding sin. What is that verse about in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking? Yeah, it, it, where, exactly. You could simplify where words abound, so does sin. It's just, you will have to speak less than, than you think you do. I don't think I completed that thought correctly. No, that's okay. <laughs> let, let me add this for husbands too, because we've talked about some ways that, that a wife might be commonly tempted. And there are, there are some corresponding ways that husbands might be commonly tempted. And one of them is because men are very single-minded and they're focused on you know whatever task they're doing or their work or things like that, uh, it can be easy for a husband to neglect his wife, to neglect his home, to not be putting in, he's to love her. There's, there's all kinds of active words in Ephesians 5 where he's to love and pursue her and cherish her and nourish her, he's to wash her in the water of the word, all these different, they're active verbs type of talk. And it's just easy for husbands to slip into a rhythm and then end up neglecting his wife, and she can become kind of like a withering vine a little bit. And then she's frustrated, and he's making it much easier for her to sin. He's not inviting regular conversation. He's not smiling at her, That's talking to her, loving her. He's not putting his phone away. Yes. Like a way away. 
Yes. Not just in his pocket, but away, away. Yeah. <laughs> like this active, actually paying attention. Yes. Makes it so much easier for his wife to sin. It, both, both couples, both couples, both spouses sin will make it easier for the other person to sin always. Yeah. So the husband needs to make sure that he's not just kind of coasting, but he's actually actively managing, actively loving. Do you smile? Do you flirt with your wife? Are you initiating? You know, like, are you hugging her, looking her in the eye, giving her a kiss? Are you paying attention to her? Are you talking to her? You know, holding her hand, making conversation, asking her how her day was, what, how are the kids, how can I help? All of those things make it 10 times easier for a wife to fulfill her duties of having mm-hmm. a gentle and quiet spirit and respecting him. And husbands can just, it's easy to sin in not knowing your wife and not caring for your wife and not properly, not not properly, I don't like the word balance a lot, but this is kind of a balance issue of doing your duties at work and doing your duties mm-hmm. in the other spheres that you have, but also taking an active role in your home. So I think that's an encouragement, an exhortation that men tend to need to hear. And then another ditch that I think men tend to fall in, because we are so sometimes... Um, coldly logical that you need to hear your wife when there's an issue, when there's clearly a problem, when there's a fight, don't just run to it's one plus one equals two. You're an idiot (laughs) because that's, first of all, it's stupid. Even if you're right about the issue, you need to handle your wife gently. She's the weaker vessel. Well, and two, as a wife, there's been times, there's been something that I've talked to you about multiple times recently where I'm like, I understand the comment was made in not the right context. I understand it's wrong the way I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. But if I were to have gone to you with that and you would have just said, you're stupid, it's like, I already know that I'm stupid. I already know that I shouldn't be struggling with this. That's why I'm coming to you with help, like searching for help. So if you're going to be rude about it, yeah. A lot of the times, wives know mm-hmm. they're being somewhat irrational. Yeah, they're, if they're, <laughs> if your wife comes to you and says, "I'm tem- I'm struggling with this thought about you," and I know it's probably not true, and I'm probably over, but I'm genuinely struggling with this. If you go, "Well, you're an idiot. That's dumb. Yeah, you're not." It's demeaning. Peter says that that you if that God will literally not hear your prayers if you treat your wife harshly. So that tells me. The scriptures tend to speak when they speak to men as men or women as women or husbands as husbands, children as children. They tend to speak into weakness. Mm-hmm. So when the scriptures say, wives, see that you respect your husband, it doesn't mean that a husband shouldn't respect his wife. Of course, he should respect his wife. It means that wives tend to struggle with respecting their husbands. When the scriptures say, husbands, don't be harsh, that tells me husbands can tend to struggle with this. Mm-hmm. We all can. Men in general will struggle with getting this right when it comes to handling your wife, your daughters, your children. Men will get too harsh in discipline very, very easily, too harsh in raising your voice, trying to domineer or lead by, you know, lead by harshness and anger and loudness. And that's the antithesis of the cross, antithesis of the gospel, and the antithesis of Christ's leadership to his bride. You don't use the voice that Christ used for the Pharisees when you're talking to your bride, right? So, Husbands need to take care that they're not trying to reduce their wife to a man. You have to know your wife as a woman. She's a woman. That means she's a different type of creature than you in some way. Mm -hmm. You just have to be, you have to know her. You have to tend to her. 
love her. Give her a couple of, of these crackers. A couple of these couple of crackers. Buy, sometimes you just need to buy her a snack. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Sometimes you do literally need to buy your <laughs> wife a snack and just say, oh, "What? it was a hard day, wasn't it? Can I get you anything? Let's go get tacos. <laughs> Can I order some pizza for you? <laughs> Guys, I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> no, it's so true, especially in such a weird culture that like tells women such weird things about food and doesn't actually tell us how to take care of ourselves yes. when we're sleep deprived. Honestly, so many of our issues as women would be resolved if we ate more carbs. <laughs> Eat more carbs, take a nap, and husbands, you can say, you know, on your day off or when when you can, getting some help, maybe asking in-laws, asking parents to come. Because it, it's easy. In-laws and parents can forget can forget since they are they're farther out of the childbearing years or maybe like in our situation we have far more children than either of our yeah, parents have yeah. so they can forget like our literally they're both great about they're great i'm not subtweeting them right now it's easy <laughs> to say uh to just not understand and like actually yeah. go there and think if i had the duties my wife does and the physical toil of bearing a child my wife is growing a child in her womb right now and caring for five other children it, it's easy for me to just forget what that or not understand what that would be like as a man who has different weights, different <laughs> different problems and help to bear. We're all to bear one another's burdens as Christians. How much more yeah. should we bear one another's burdens uh, as within our household? Within our own household. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of coming to the end here. I, I do think one thing I wanted to, to leave our listeners with are some just absolute laws. Like, I think there's some absolute laws that from marriage counseling that I've done over the years and things where I've just seen, these never help. Things that have never helped. Oh, okay. So one law would be if you find yourself yelling or cussing or slamming doors or storming out, you're never justified. It's just not, it's just not okay. Just take that tool, put it in the trash. Repent. You actually need to repent. If you remember, oh yeah, last week I cussed at my spouse and I have not yet (laughs) repented, go repent to them right now. Pause. Go say you're sorry. You name the sin because you're wrong. Even if they, whatever provocation, uh, if you've been a door slammer, a stormer outer, you know, uh, Men or women, and this goes both directions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes women think they can get away with it because they're women and they hit their husbands or they throw things or they cuss at them, and, and that, is abs- that is just as wicked as him doing those things. Well, there's an added level of wickedness when he does it because yeah. he's stronger, but she, she should not think I that always, she can When that. I hear of women like that, it always makes me feel like, ooh, yucky. Like it, it's a yeah. different type of... Ugh. It's very unfeminine. Yeah, um, that's what it is. There should never be hitting ever. Uh, a husband that hits his wife or spanking. No, don't please Just don't saying don't spank your wife, guys. Like, and I I mean like for real for real. Okay, anyway, that's all. <laughs> Husbands do have authority that's real to discipline their household, and that does mean a husband has actually some authority. It's a weighty thing to discipline his wife, but that does not mean spanking his wife. <laughs> That'd be stupid. I wouldn't even spank a ten year old or most ten year olds at least. Uh, it, it's, it's, you have a, you can actually say to your wife, honey, you're sinning right now. Yeah, we're done. You're not doing And this you need anymore. to repent of your sin. And I'm going to yeah. pray now for us. And then we're <laughs> going to repent. We're going to, we're going to get back in fellowship. And a husband can do that. Mm-hmm. He absolutely can. That's, that is exercising real authority. Okay. Don't spank. Uh, 
But yeah, a husband who hits his wife, it is perfectly acceptable for a wife to appeal to, to higher authorities if he does that. And if she does that too, quite frankly, but... What do you think about, I know somebody that often threatened divorce, and then yeah. it was like days of not talking to one another. That's absolutely unacceptable. Okay, yeah, I th- and we never have done that, but I mean, I, I've heard you say to other people, don't even use the D word. Or maybe it was no. one of our pastors when we were younger that used to say that. Like, I just tell people, don't even use the D word. Don't even use it. It should never be a threat. Um, divorce is permissible when there are biblical grounds, and you need to be getting counsel, not from us, but from your elders, from the people who know you and can get in the situation if you're in a situation where you think that divorce is on the table. Sometimes it genuinely is. I do not hold to the permanence view no. of marriage. I think it's contra-biblical. I think it's uh, cruel. And cruel and, and historically strange. But <clears throat> that's a rule. I would say as well, some less like, wow, that was pretty weighty, but also... A rule should be that you are cultivating in your spirit an eagerness to forgive your spouse when you f- believe they've sinned against you. And that was covered last week a lot in First John 1 by Pastor Sumter, so I won't belabor it, but it's worth mentioning again. Forgive quickly and cultivate an attitude of eagerness, not just willingness, but eagerness. The way that uh, Toby described it was like, you've, you've been baking the loaf of bread of forgiveness for them. So that when they come, you're ready to hand it to them. You yeah. don't have to go do it all. Like you're ready to hand it. You've in your heart, you've forgiven them. You're ready to hand it to them. And it can't the transaction cannot be completed until they come to you, like genuinely. Yeah. But you've baked the bread. You're ready to hand it to them. I had a friend when I was a much younger pastor's wife who not often, but there were times where I would hear that she had to go confront somebody and I was just like, Wow, I can't believe you had to do that. <laughs> And here I am having awkward <laughs> conversations left and right now. But yeah, um, I remember I remember asking her like, "Well, how do you how do you even do that? How do you start yeah. a conversation?" And she said, "Well, I never confront anybody until I can get my heart in such a place that I want to disbelieve every single thing I have to confront them about." Yep. And I, that has always, always, always stuck with me. And she always was very kind and was very forgiving. And yeah, even sometimes I was like, "You're too forgiving," <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I I just really like that bit of advice. Yeah. So wrapping up here, there's so many, there's so much more that we could say about this. Yeah. Hopefully that got a good start going. But I would just encourage you to do a self inventory of your own heart. Ask yourself, ask the Lord in prayer. Am I slow to anger? Do I have a hasty temper? Am I often giving full vent to my spirit? Am I picking fights with my spouse instead of seeking to honor my spouse, serve them, love them? Am I the, the, the imprudent man who does not ignore an insult, but lets my vexation be known quickly? You know, and if, I'm just thinking of people that have really complicated histories and pasts and marriages yeah. and like childhood, and maybe you have a great marriage, but you had a horrible upbringing. Um, like, I think it's okay if, if you're feeling conflicted about like, okay, if you're listening to what we're saying and then you're thinking about filtering this through, you know, the the maybe 10 common struggles you have with your marriage, I think it could maybe even be good advice to start tomorrow with no record of wrongs. Like yep. complete yep. clean slate towards your spouse so that you can reevaluate things instead of going, this is what he's done for the last five years though, every single Friday night and it bugs yeah. me about him. Why don't you just start brand new 
and then have clearer ways to observe what's going on biblically because of the hopefully biblical advice you've been given tonight. Yeah. So give yourself the freedom to just say, okay, no record of wrongs. We're going to start all over and we're going to do this the right way instead of the wrong way. Yeah. Are you smiling at your husband? Are you flirting with him? Are you being easy to please? Husbands, are you proactively loving and pursuing your wife? Are you smiling at her? Are you cheerful? I remember another really helpful thing that a pastor's wife, we had some, I think I can say there was some adultery that happened with some of the pastors we knew when we were newlyweds. Sure. Yeah. And talk about like, (laughs) I don't even know what you call that. (laughs) No, it's a, it's a covenant breaking sin. But it was a lot of the pastor's wives were then like, okay, so how do I deal with my husband's serious sexual sins? And I remember one of the wives talking to her, like telling, explaining to me how she was talking to herself. And she was saying like, I have to remember that when I even go to my husband with genuine sin that he has committed against me with a biblical name, if he's a Christian, he has an advocate for him before the throne. Oh, that's so good. I have to be willing to also go to his advocate, <laughs> you that's know? So good. That's and so I good. remember being like, huh, so that's oh, how you forgive somebody. Yeah, you go, oh, Jesus is literally their defense attorney. Yeah, literally. I don't think I'm going to be able to get a charge to stick. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah, it was really, really helpful for me as a new wife to hear Man. that. So anyways. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Um, be sure that you check out our sponsor for this episode, Garlands of Grace, for some great feminine headwear. Oh, some a friend asked me, do I prefer yeah. the clips or the ties? Uh-huh. <laughs> For Garlands of Grace? Yeah, I think it depends on your hair texture. My hair is fairly yeah. straight and... Um, Fine? There's not like a lot of texture to it to grab onto. It's not curly. There's nothing to keep anything in place. So I like the ties because you can get them really tight. You yeah. can see in the pictures and the description if it's a tie or a clasp. But I could see having bigger, more textured hair, not having the tie to deal with and just the clasp being more helpful. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check check those out. Husbands, it's Christmas coming up. Great gift for your wife, your daughters. Um, we have a link in the description there. We also have a Patreon channel where we have a lot more interaction. We try to we have posts every week. We comment messages um, as well as a Patreon exclusive podcast. Short little snippet of episodes that we do each week called In the Kitchen where we talk about um, issues related to the episodes, but also then sometimes Lexi will jump on for 15 minutes or so and just give a run-through of some practical home management stuff um, or different recipe-related things. And So if you'd like to support the show, help us continue to, I guess, pay for our colorful recording thing here that is in front of me that I don't really know much about, um, editing and just uh, the time that goes into making the show possible, you can support us for, you know, a cup of coffee a month or something. They're at patreon.com slash brighthearth. There's a link in the description for that as well. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Let me leave you with this, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So thanks for listening. May the Lord bless you and yours this week richly. May he give you long fuses and joyful fellowship in your homes. We'll see you next time on Bright Hearth.